You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. If you want to take your UND Athletics fandom to the next level, you've got to get Midco Sports Plus. It's the best way to watch live and archive games wherever you are, featuring Fighting Hawks basketball, football, soccer, volleyball, and softball, plus other Summit League, NSIC, and high school content that you can't find anyplace else. Sign up today at midcoastsportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. It is the 24th of January, 2023, alongside Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Heinert. Special guest joining us today on the pod, Bill, Assistant Athletic Director for Student Athlete Development, Mr. Tyler Burmeister. Welcome, Tyler. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited about it. Um, uh, Alex, Tyler does a lot of great things with our student athletes, but uh, in our three-question segment, which again, We've established the ground rules that we're going to give three questions, but we can we can follow up. So that's 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 the rules of engagement. But maybe there'll be no follow up. Maybe the question will be so good that you know it'll mean it'll need no follow up. Tyler's answers will be so precise, so complete. We just need the three. So let me let me kick it off. Last Friday, uh, you were uh, part of a strategic plan opening for the university and Dr. Armacost, uh, um, I'll call it set sail maybe la- last January and then it's about a, maybe February, but a year later, we unveil that strategic plan. Give us a little bit of a um, background on, on what transpired that day. And uh, and I look forward to at some point having Dr. Armacost talk about it a little bit more, but get, just give an update to to our listeners as to, to what transpired. Yeah, well, and like you mentioned, Bill, I mean, this is almost 11 months ago now that this process started out, and I was fortunate enough to be on the Beyond the Classroom working group as part of uh, putting the strategic plan together. I think that's what Friday really was the culmination of is all the hard work and all the stakeholders' input that is giving us this vision for campus moving forward. So uh, Friday was a a special moment for myself, uh, and obviously it was a great honor to be asked by the campus to uh, be a part of the launch of our new strategic plan and speak on the topic of affinity with um, the acronym of LEADS. So I was uh, fortunate enough to reflect on what we're doing here in the athletic department and share some of our stories on how that fits into the bigger picture of what our campus is trying to achieve with this UND LEAD strategic plan and the vision moving forward and um, continuing to find ways to allow our student athletes to play a huge part in the leadership of our campus, but also to help continue to drive forward what our vision is moving forward. Yeah, it, the uh, the leads aspect of it, and if you do want to go to uh, uh, our website und.edu backslash leads, uh, I think you can learn a lot more about the actual work that was done. Amazing amount of work that was done, huh, Ty- Tyler? I mean, from the working groups and all the information's there. I, 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 it's it's about a comprehensive of a plan as I think think I've seen from from a university. Well, and just the process alone, because I I really appreciate the fact that uh, the campus really took into effect all the stakeholders and not just here on campus. Alumni, community members were also part of this process as well. So uh, it really took in all the different factors. And I think you started to see some of those common themes, which helped us eventually come up with the LEADS acronym with what our vision will be for campus. But I think that's just what is so rewarding about this entire process is that it did take into effect all these stakeholders and was able to find a way to 
not to, not to say narrow it down, but to take all that information and come up with this vision for us moving forward. Talk about affinity. Talk about the affinity piece and what you ended up saying to the group uh, last Friday. Yeah. So with the affinity piece, uh, campus really wanted to uh, give this sense that we are always going to try to have a sense of belonging. And that really encompasses a lot of different factors. So in making sure that we have a welcoming and inclusive campus for all, um, really making sure that there is a focus on the retention and recruitment of staff members, because we do have obviously a tremendous groups here on campus, whether it's our faculty staff, our coaches, just making sure that we are recruiting good people and we continue to retain them and invest in them. And then we talked about some of the different initiatives here on campus. So athletics excellence obviously is a big part of a sense of belonging. So um, a lot of people always will say athletics can be considered the front door of a campus university. So we, uh, there was a good consideration about making sure that athletic excellence plays a part into what a student's experience or what the community's experience involves with campus. So really appreciate that. But then it also took into effect some of the work that our athletes did in general as well with the Green Bandana Project, where that was an initiative spearheaded by our Student Athlete Advisory Committee and Student Athletes for Inclusion Diversity. So really focusing on the mental health component and looking out for our peers here on campus. So there's a lot of different components. I think I had probably the biggest well-rounded area to talk about with affinity because a sense of belonging can have so many different factors. But um, I was able to tailor my remarks really to the athletic experience and talk about how that can help steer everything forward with this vision. Last thing for me, Alex, and it just kind of cleans up. Certainly you can go to the website and uh, watch the uh, function last Friday and it wasn't that long. So, I mean, it's an easy watch, but um, the acronym uh, leads uh, stands for learning equity affinity, which uh, Tyler was the A, uh, discovery and service. And so uh, those are the things that uh, UND will be looking to, uh, you know, provide to to uh, an aspirational level as we move forward. You know, very cool. And that's kind of the overarching philosophy of what your area does. Tyler, if you could talk a little more about some of the specifics of what, you know, the student athlete development arm of athletics looks like? And then also to part B, how did you get involved in, in this line of work? What got you into this area? Yeah, well, so student athlete development, it, it's a continuously developing area also. It, it looks different every single year, but I would say the primary focus of what we try to achieve here at UND is focusing on the personal, professional, and leadership development of our athletes. And so I work very closely with our academic advisors to make sure that we're understanding where um, you know, what major they might be declaring, what their potential professional passions might look like. So we're going to work hand in hand with them and really try to give them opportunities to stay involved. So the community service part is obviously a big part of what we do here, and it's ingrained in the DNA of our department. So our athletes are always exposed to the community and having opportunities to network and uh, converse with different community members, but also looking to try to figure out ways in which we can get them connected with professional opportunities as well. Um, I know we've talked about the Nodak Net app here on the on this um, pod before, but really taking that to the next level now of allowing our alumni to have a bigger piece in that those conversations because they do give so much back to our campus. So really having great conversations and discussions with our alumni association on how we can continue to create those bridges to have our alumni really serve as uh, a learning opportunity for our current student athletes. So big focus is there. I mean, we do do a lot of work with a lot of cross-campus collaborations as well, because we have tremendous people working all around campus. So I don't look at it as we have to do everything. We have a lot of great opportunities to collaborate with different campus entities as well. 
And to answer your second part of that question, Alex, I fell into this uh, field, actually. So uh, before even coming or coming out of undergrad, I should say, I was working in professional sports with the Milwaukee Brewers. And at some point kind of had that aha moment where I just this wasn't for me anymore. And I went back to grad school and just by reading an article in an alumni publication, I learned about community service initiatives through uh, what was the Badgers Give Back program at University of Wisconsin-Madison and through some conversations there, I got introduced to some individuals that worked in the student athlete development world and then the academic services world, um, got my foot in the door with all different entities there and uh, continued just can, to grow, had some opportunities to um, build some programs and then um, took a quick hiatus to learn more about the academic world at UMass Amherst. But I always knew my passion at that point was with student athlete development and Luckily, the position had opened up here at UND and um, had some connections that I already kind of had a sense of what UND was trying to achieve. And um, really, the the big draw for me was I got to kind of serve as an architect to say, let's build from the ground level up. Let's get a foundational level here for what we want to try to achieve for the personal professional leadership development of our athletes. And now it's just every year continuously making changes. I know Bill's going to mention uh, the NCA convention. A lot of a lot of conversations right now are focusing on student athlete well-being, which will probably somewhat come to my chair at some point to figure out how we continue to address and making sure that we are giving our student athletes the best experience possible. But um, again, we have so many great collaborations that we do on campus. So I try to see myself as that bridge builder as well to make sure that our athletes are aware of all the great things that our campus is doing. That's right. Tyler does a, a great job in that regard. And in and, and obviously you can learn outside the classroom. And that's certainly what uh, Tyler's area provides, whether that is through community service or Hawkademy. And that, that's probably the last thing that my follow up and then we'll get on to question three, but just talk about Hawkademy for, for, for a brief second. I don't know if we t- talked about that the last time. Yeah. So it's our student athlete leadership Academy. That is a three-year program that starts at the sophomore level for our student athletes. And we take it as a three-year approach because we want our student athletes to continuously grow in their leadership uh, capacities and roles. So that first year really focuses on our student athletes understanding who they are as leaders. So we go over a number of different assessments for them to learn what their leadership skills and competencies are. But at that second year level, we start to put it into a teamwork side of things. So how are you going to interact with others? How are you going to take what you know and what you know about your teammates and really focus on the cohesion piece there? So a lot of discussions on emotional intelligence, personality um, assessments, all that good stuff. We actually have our, our first talk academy session tonight with our uh, our sophomore group. So they're doing their Clifton Strengths assessments tonight. So understanding what their different strengths are and how they can apply those to their team settings. And then when we get to that final year, it's about the legacy piece. So what legacy do they want to leave behind, behind, but also how are they going to continue to pay it forward and um, focus on the transformational topics and focus on their transferable skills that they've gained through their different leadership opportunities so they can take that and transition to the next phase of life after sport or if they continue playing after UND as well. Awesome. I got a last question, Alex. So we like to uh, have our guests um, look into their crystal ball. And, uh, and and Tyler has mentioned already the state of Wisconsin. So as a Green Bay Packer fan, crystal ball, where's Aaron Rodgers going to be playing next year, if anywhere? Oh, well, Bill, I will not put a prediction on that as of right now. That That is uh, 
that is too complex for me to wrap my head around. And I think that crystal ball might have a crack in it right now. Gotcha. So, so at the end of the day, the one thing we do know about the Packers is they like to get to the end with their quarterbacks this way. Is that fair to say? I, I would say that is definitely fair to say. Yes. As a Green Bay Packer fan, it has been a, a fun ride with 12 as the quarterback, but it also, we know good things have to come to an end at some point, And it might be that time to start the transition over to the next, next great quarterback. That'll go 10 plus years. There you go. Any follow-up <laughs> to that, Alex? I mean, it's kind of a, it, it's sort of a B-side-ish with our, with our guest, but. Yeah, you know, it sort of is. There, um, but there was some good meat in there before we got to this. I would say, yeah, y- you've been blessed to have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back. You've had a pretty good, like, three-decade run. So even though it, you know, what, what, what's the saying? Everything ends badly or else it wouldn't end. True, but you've got some great memories in the bank along the way. As a Packer fan, we've been spoiled. I will definitely say that it's it's. I mean, you don't see very many organizations that have that much longevity at the quarterback position. So it's it's been very fun to watch. We've had a lot of great memories. I wish we'd have a couple more rings out of it, but you know that's it, the NFL's tough. It's not easy to get to the Super Bowl. No, one team wins, Tyler. One team yep. wins. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, anything else, Bill, for Tyler? I think we're good. That that was awesome. I really appreciated Tyler's uh, willingness to represent our department in that uh, um, in that event last Friday. It was excellent. And uh, if uh, if you are interested in watching it, it is again uh, unde.edu backslash leads. And it was it was a good event. Tyler, we appreciate you taking some time, man, and for all the work that you do for our student athletes at the University of North Dakota. Yes. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Bill. And uh, again, looking forward to now putting the strategic plan into actual. It's now about the action steps. So looking forward to that next part of this. Thanks again to Tyler Burmeister for stopping by. He's such a thoughtful guy and has so much experience in this area. It's great to hear his process and what he and his group have done and what they're thinking through in terms of just helping these kids who are very busy as student athletes figure it all out and, and prepare themselves for success for life beyond the classroom, but certainly while they're in the midst of it as well. Yeah. So he is a part of our student athlete success uh, area. Um, and so he's right. Like it, you're balancing what you're doing at UND, trying to really succeed in the classroom, of course, in your sport, but then he also kind of balances out, well, you do have to look ahead too. Yeah. And so he's that that resource for our student athletes that, uh, you know, they can start looking ahead. And many have an idea of what they're doing post-graduation, depending on their major. But there might be some, you know, that are still trying to figure out, do I go to grad school? Do I, um, you know, do I, what direction do I want to go professionally? And I think there's just a lot of uh, resources that that Tyler's area can bring to uh, to our student athletes. He does a tremendous job. Yeah, well, good to have him on board. There's just so many cool avenues for our student athletes to have success both here in the classroom, beyond, et cetera. So thanks again to Tyler for taking some time and to enlighten us on that. Uh, you, Bill, you get to enlighten us now on what's going on with the NCAA and the big convention that just took place a week ago. Just talk about what you saw down in Texas and what maybe were the biggest talking points coming out of that. Yeah, so I thought that the uh, the transition from Dr. Emmert to Governor Baker was excellent. So it's the first time in 12 years we'll have a new president of the NCAA. So Governor Charlie Baker coming from the state of Massachusetts, and 
He just finished uh, two terms as a governor in the state, and he will begin uh, with both feet in uh, March 1. And so uh, he's but he was at the convention and I thought, you know, he gave uh, a short but um, impressive um, speech. Uh, and he's just an impressive uh, person. His background, uh, amazing. And in uh, Alex, you have uh, familiarity with the state of Massachusetts, and you know it's 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 a pretty democratic state. And so to be a Republican, two time, two term Republican governor says a lot. It really does. And so I think in this moment of time, it's pretty clear his marching orders, if you will, are uh, pretty simple. He's going to try to get the attention of Congress, which might be difficult to do just to begin with. But if he's able to do that, and he should, because there's student right bills that have been out there, uh, the Booker Blumenthal bill, there's a few other ones out there as well. But I think what he's going to go to Congress and at least have them consider is three things. One, that students are not employees, that it's not an employee-based model, because there's a unique relationship between students and institutions of higher ed. And so where that goes, who knows, but that that's at least number one. Number two, very, very narrow antitrust exemption. Um, so what's happened is over the course of the last several years and probably beyond, association-wide rules have been challenged tremendously in court. And I think the question becomes, in a very narrow way, can an association make rules? Can they just make rules and not every single one of those rules find themselves into the court system? Mm -hmm. And I think that's at least a conversation to be had. And then thirdly, um, anything that's done at the congressional level or the federal level supersedes anything in the state. And so that somewhat speaks to the patchwork state laws with NIL. And so those are the three things. I think they're fair conversations to have. Here's what I don't know, Alex. Uh, Truly, can, can he get in front of the right, can he get an audience, right? Can he get the right audience? I, I think he's incredibly impressive, um, you know, but there's just a lot of, pieces to those puzzles. And does that work within what certain um, uh, Congress folks are are thinking at this point in time? So that's kind of what you learned on the very macro level. I think the micro level and what Tyler referred to, there's really three areas that are being discussed right now. One is, for lack of a better terms, I'll call it under the umbrella of student athlete welfare. What are some of the things that we could or should be doing as a division as it pertains to student athletes? Now, there are a lot of um, concepts out there. I don't know if it has a lot, they don't have a lot of meat on the bones right now, like in a sense of, if you don't do X, you will be, you know, no longer in division one. You know, I mean, that's, that's like, apocalyptic, right? That's that's the conversation at least people were thinking over the last six to nine months. Well, there's just not a lot of meat to the bones right now as far as all of the concepts that have to do with student athlete welfare. But having someone like Tyler, 
who does some of the things that he does is obviously incredibly helpful for UND. When you're talking about mental health initiatives, uh, student-athlete welfare initiatives, those are some things that we do right now. With uh, we're, we're fortunate to have Dr. Aaron Haugen working with our student-athletes. Those are some things that we're doing right now. So I feel good about certain things, but you still don't know exactly what's going to come down the pike. And then two other areas is championships are still being discussed about what's the right size of fields. Hmm. And so they use the 25% uh, 25% percentage. That's where you got some of the articles out saying that the men's basketball tournament is going to go to 96 teams or whatever it is. Well, it was more of a conversation about what's the right percentage across the board for all sports. And they, they were sort of landing on that 25 percentage, 25%. The other side of it, and it's a, probably a yawner for the, for the pod is, is, is more governance issues. How many, how many uh, presidents should be on the board of governors? Like what some of those types of things. Um, and, and so those are the three areas that are kind of, I'll call it on the micro level more to come but on a very macro level the ball or the baton has been passed from dr emmert to governor baker and he's hopefully knock on wood we can help him kind of lead this so that maybe we can pivot alter do the things we need to do because obviously college athletics is in the fabric of what we do in this country and you know we talk a lot on the b side about clubs and soccer and all that stuff we're pretty lucky to have this thing called college athletics that's happened for over 150 years. And, you know, we got to figure out what's next with it though. And we're in that process. Those are good reports. I mean, I think that's, it's an encouraging message that that is sort of where the current president or the, I guess the incoming president wants to take this, like what the next steps are. Those all seem to be <laughs> maybe not things that we're going to dig into a whole lot, like the governance side of things. I know the pod listeners love to hear about governance issues, but some of those things seem to be, I, I think, relatable to, to people. And you can wrap your head around like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yes, we need to figure out this. We need to streamline this. We need to get, those are all positive things moving forward. Yeah, the, the trick, the trick in some of the conversations that were had in certain rooms um, with schools such as ourselves, I'll, I'll call them FCS or one AAA schools, is obviously we love having this many schools in division one, but they are coming at it differently. And uh, I always liken it, Alex, to what we talk about a lot in European soccer. You've got kind of the, we always call them the big clubs, right? And then you have other clubs that um, love to compete against the big clubs, but they don't have the resources of the big clubs. Well, it's the same thing in college athletics. It's the same thing. And so the question is, when you start putting either guidelines in place, as far as what you're doing potentially say with your student athletes, a little bit different if you're talking University of Texas or Kentucky or Florida State and schools within the Summit League. And so that's that's the trick right now. So how do you how do you continue with this group, this 360-ish Division I schools checking checking off what needs to be done as we move forward. So, so the, like I said, not, not as much, not as much uh, specific information came out of it as I would hoped. 
but I would say still more to come on that. I still feel good about the leagues that we're in at UND. I do believe we're playing the right schools um, on a on a literally daily game by game basis. And I think some of the things we're doing for our student athletes are tremendous. But we also, uh, you know, and I made this point in a certain room: our student athletes. Our students, I mean, they they need to take part in everything that's happening on campus. No different than um, Tyler doing uh, what he did uh, last uh, Friday with the strategic plan. We are a big part of this campus in the in the fabric, in the spirit of it. And we have to make sure that we're doing right by campus for sure. And uh, in our students, um, I want them to be students. And so I don't want them segregated as much as some of this conversation has been. So, so we have to be careful, I think, moving forward. So anyways, that, that was, that was like a, a, a day, a little bit of a day plus that I was down there, but totally worthwhile. And uh, now back, which leads to different conversations in the three conferences that we're in. Yeah. And that, that brings my next question up. When is now sort of the next step or what maybe what is the next step look like as you try and make some of those decisions or as the NCAA continues to move forward? I don't know. When do you see, I guess, the ball getting moved? What, what, what comes next? We love a good committee. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we sunsetted the transformation committee, transformational committee, whatever the TC. Um, and so we now have a congressional committee. So I would suggest that that group is going to probably put some um, definitions around some of the things we're talking about when it comes to student athlete welfare. The other stuff uh, you really have no control over. I mean, how the governance is going to be, the governance is going to be what it's going to be. Championships, as far as, as long as I'll call it uh, automatic qualifiers or EQs are not being touched, if you will, maybe the field might expand a little bit to some degree. I I don't know those answers, but it doesn't feel like uh, there's going to be substantive changes when it comes to the championship side of life. Really, it's all about what we're doing with our student athletes. And that's why we need to have more understanding of exactly what we're doing today and what potentially we should be doing going forward. Clarity. Looking for clarity. Mm -hmm. Clarity would Mm -hmm. be good. Clarity would be good in this and in all phases of life. Yes, yes. that's it. So, so, anyways, I, it, you know, I, I, I'd say it was worthwhile, um, but I don't feel like until we hear back, I think from Congress, if we're able to get an audience with them, I, I, I don't know how that will go. Uh, I, I do think we need, for lack of a better term, some people are categorizing it as help or. I, I don't know. I, I think we need them to be a teammate. Mm-hmm. Like, do they want, do they want, you know, they are just as um, vested in this intercollegiate uh, athletic aspect because they all have alma maters. They're all interested in it. And so, but I, I think we do need to figure out what's next. And I think that's what we're still working on. Interesting. Well, as always, stay tuned. Thank you very much for the update. Uh, that's enlightening. I think when you get a chance to sit down with other athletic directors and presidents from around the country all in one spot. And you hear from the, the incoming president of the NCAA. Thanks for reporting back. Yeah, no problem. I, it was good. I mean, uh, and again, I, I, we will continue to talk about these things. 
in all of the conferences as well. So, and having obviously Commissioner Fenton on the last pod, you know, he's dialed into uh, there's 32 multi-sport conferences. And so he's one of the 32. And in fact, he's literally at the commissioner's uh, uh, convention uh, this week. And so, you know, he'll have more information for us. And if there's one thing that Josh is, he's thorough and uh, he'll give us a thorough report for sure. (laughs) Yes, he will. Yes, we can count on that. Yes. Well, good. Well, a couple other reports to kick out here during this edition of the Bill James podcast, including just a look at what's going on uh, and the day-to-day around UND athletics. Busy time, hockey, basketball, all very much underway in their seasons, indoor track and field and tennis just getting started with theirs. What's the mood around campus right now as we get set to turn the calendar over to February in just a couple days? If you're talking about hockey... If there's something it seems like can go wrong at times, it seems to be going wrong for us, you know, and it, and we just can't get on a, a run right now. Now, having said that, you know, I, I do believe still everything's in front of us, but we do need to try to figure out how to how to um, stack, stack some uh, some results on top of each other. And, uh, you know, obviously it would have been awesome to to uh, to sweep Duluth this past weekend, but they figured out a way to to get it done in the last two minutes. So um, 10 games left, Alex. We know that we have uh, a guaranteed 36 periods left of hockey. And so, you know what? We've got to make the most of it. And there's enough uh, There's enough in history that suggests that you never know what's going to happen as you move forward. That's why we, that's why we play these things. But, um, but we, but we are, 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 our margin for error is, is slim, and so we have got, we've got to get after it moving forward here. Yeah, it's crazy that there are just five game weekends left for North Dakota. There's a bye mixed in there as well, but there are still 30 available points. It's like that balance between only 10 games left. You don't have a lot of time left. You have to start winning games. There are still points available. I mean, they could still certainly climb up the table and pass some teams and earn home ice and get you know be in a comfortable spot pairwise. But you also have to win those games. I think we said this even last pod too. But again, it's that balance, right? Having urgency and knowing you got it's got to start now. It's still possible. It just they they just have to find that way to string a couple of W's together and get a little confidence. And now their next task they they get to go to Oxford, Ohio this weekend before a bye. Um, not not easy games coming up. I mean, Denver, St. Cloud on the other side of that. But um, big, big opportunity as always to try and pick up some wins and gain some momentum and confidence. You used a word and I was going to say it and you used it before me and I'll use it in a different context. Uh, nothing's been easy for this team. Nothing's been easy. It's, a, you know, um, one of those seasons where it just feels like a grind. And um, for whatever reason, and sometimes you have those years. And so we, uh, you know, but I, I do think our guys are, uh, you know, working their working hard They're, They are, they, they, they want results as well. So, uh, but it starts on Friday. So, I mean, you know, we, again, you can't win six in a row without winning Friday. <laughs> That's right. One at a time. Got to take one period at a time, one day at a time, all those good things. So best of luck to the guys as they travel to Oxford, Ohio this weekend. Uh, the women and men on the basketball side of things, kind of similar story. Some some positive steps, then maybe a step back. The men with the record-breaking nights last week with the 18 three-pointers in their first Summit League victory of the year over Kansas City. And then they run into a couple of outstanding individual players who sort of go off on particular nights against Oral Roberts in Western Illinois. That happens sometimes. Another case of Paul Sather's group being close, but just not quite being able to get over the hump. I think we've seen teams that are uh, 
I'll call it inexperienced. I, if you look at our top eight in the rotation right now, today, they all have the opportunity to be back next year, some for many years. And, uh, and at that point in time, I think you'll find that sometimes teams – just struggle to get it to 40 minutes. And we've we've seen a lot of good 35 to 37 minute type games, 38, 39 minute games, and just not getting over the hump. And it's interesting, Alex, in analyzing, we've gotten to the last minute or two a lot of different ways. We've blown leads, we've come back you know, in in a in an unbelievable way, or it's been nip and tuck the whole way. It seems like it's been, but we just haven't gotten over the hump yet as far as, uh, you know, our team um, being able to finish out games. And uh, that's a skill. I mean, it's a team skill. And that's something that, you know, hopefully we can uh, really improve upon here. We were halfway through the Summit League after last night's makeup game in Macomb. Um, now we're, we've, we're nine games in, obviously won one. Um, we've got nine left. Uh, you know, I think the the, the thought process is let's have a, a much better nine this time around and, and see what happens. Uh, on the ladies' side, a little bit weird, uh, kind of a tale of two teams right now trying to figure out winning on the road versus, you know, uh, not losing at home. Well, 9-0. and 9-0 inside the Betty, but just one win away from Grand Forks. It's unique. That's almost – because if I looked at the men and the women right now, I'd say the women are a season ahead of the men, if you will, to get to wherever you are. And it seems like it's a sign of teams – uh, winning their games at home and then sometimes struggling to, to get over the hump on the road. And so, uh, you know, obviously uh, again, we're halfway through there and it's, you know, we've got to find a way to have a good second half, both sides and just get some momentum going so that we can get moving uh, in the right direction, not only for the rest of this year, but into next year as well. For the ladies this season and for the men as well, Top six now becomes awfully important, right, for Summit League standings because if you're in the seven through ten spot, you've got to play on Friday. The format's different this year. You've got an extra game built in, and your reward if you win that game. I think it's great. No, I think it's a ton of fun. Why not? I mean, that's get everybody involved, get everybody to Sioux Falls. It's great. I like it. I I I think there's a reward for the year that you have. That you know what? Let four teams have to battle it out to some degree. I I like that idea. Is the biggest sentiment against it the fact that seven and eight now have to play another game? Is that the issue? Or is it more like we don't we don't think nine and ten should be rewarded with a shot at the tournament? I think it's more that. I think it's more that than the former. And then the other one I've heard as well is it's not fair for a team to win a game and know the gym. And because it's a neutral site, and now all of a sudden I got to go play someone that's, of course, coming off a win. You're not playing a team that's coming off a loss. So, of course, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And all of a sudden now I'm in round, my round one, and I've got someone that's played already 40 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes, who knows. But at the end of the day, that's some of the stuff that I hear. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I like it. I do. I do. If that's If that's the sport – that the summit league obviously is 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 putting its emphasis and at least initially on to some degree on both genders i think having all teams there is an important piece of that puzzle yeah think of what it does for those teams that finish ninth and 10th i mean you get a taste of what the postseason is like 
I think that's a huge thing. If you want to build up the league top to bottom, giving those student athletes that experience, I think is really important. And yeah, if you're the one and two seed, maybe that's a a small thing that the other team that you're playing now has a chance that, that they've <laughs> that they've seen what the sight lines are, they've felt what the floor feels like, etc. But they also just played a basketball game less than 24 hours ago and now have to play you. I don't know. I, I guess that seems a little. I, you have a buy. I don't know. Whatever. I yeah. I, I I guess I always kind of come back and say I guess you could try to figure out how to how to maybe switch with somebody. Sure. You know, if you're the three seed, maybe you want to switch with the seven seed. I don't know. I yeah. mean, you know, is that a thing? But no, I, I I'm with you. I I I think at the end of it all, those are just you know comments that you sometimes hear. How serious they are, who knows? Yeah. Well, in any case, top six becomes important. Like you, you get a chance if you're if you're in the five, the four, the three, you're you're automatically on Sunday already. You have one less hoop you got to jump through to move on. And right now, the, the women are currently in fifth, tied with tied with Omaha in, in fifth. And so, at four and five, again, they have a great chance to keep building, keep stacking some wins together. Both of these teams have really big weeks. It's a rivalry week this week with North Dakota State for the women coming up. At home on Saturday at 1 o'clock, the men will go to Fargo on Friday at 7, and then the following week it's SDSU and USD. So again, that big Dakota school stretch coming up and a chance to try and make a dent in some of those teams which are all at the top of the table. Yeah, and to be to be really clear, you know, um, NDSU women have found a way against us, I think, the last eight times, and mm-hmm. and, and we got to figure out – we got to figure that one out, uh, number one. It, it, it's not lost on our locker room. And then the other one is uh, the men – the men need to uh, play better. They they got um, – we got – we got beat up pretty good here in uh, Grand Forks. And so, you know what, we, I think we, we want to go down to Fargo and, and, and play much, much better. You know, what, what transpires, who knows, but we need to play better. And, you know, on the, on the lady side, the other side of it, you were talking about, you know, positioning and it's clearly, uh, you know, the, the South Dakota state is clearly playing very well. I, I guess you try to avoid their line as best as possible, but I'm not sure how you do that. You just go try to win games. Yeah, that's the SDSU team that put up 118 points in a win over South Dakota this past Well, weekend. we saw it. We saw 100. Mm-hmm. Then they went and did did one better, and I think they had about four minutes left, and they might have really taken the pedal off a little bit. Yeah, that was a crazy game. I, I think they were one point away from breaking their Division One record for points scored against South Dakota. Mm. <laughs> but we knew they were going to be good. That was a team that pretty much brought everybody back from the group that won the WNIT last season so we had a pretty good pretty good feeling they were they were going to be in the hunt pretty pretty good group there pretty but good you know what both teams need good second halves that, yeah. that that's you know there's no reason that they're not sitting in uh the betty today in locker rooms and practicing going you know what we should could be in every game and you know what with a shot to win and uh that's what we need to do uh you know in the here late january into february and then early march well, their first opportunities come against the Bison this Friday and Saturday. One more question about that. With mirror scheduling, typically you'd see those games taking place the same day. Talk about the process of being able to split those so the fan base was able to catch one on a Friday, one on a Saturday. Both what we saw in December and now here once again in the return fixture in January. This year just worked out that the men are going to go on Friday. There was nothing magic about it. I'll be honest with you. All four coaches were comfortable with trying to figure it out. It just happened to work out that way. So we, uh, we went down that path. Uh, 
and uh, and had the men on the Fridays and then the women on the Saturday. Next year, we're going to literally go year by year and figure out what else is you know happening. Do we have home ice hockey? Do they have wrestling? Do they have? I mean, there's always some things we got to look at. And uh, but you know that's our hope. And, you know, at, at maybe best case scenario, it's on two different days. But maybe even if it's not, maybe it's separated enough that you cu- you could go to both if you wanted to. Yeah, you have a one o'clock and a seven o'clock, th- those sorts of th- or something like that. The timelines, the gaps. Yeah, some people enough. will remind me we couldn't have done it any worse last year. <laughs> I mean, we we did it exactly at the same time on the same day. I mean, right. so we've already been to the depths. So you know, we we've seen the worst. Now we've got to get better, which this year we got better, but you know what? You only get judged on what you do next. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's great. I, we, we've seen a lot of conversation, at least in the Dakotas about the mirror scheduling. And now some people are just not fans of it, but this is a good way to, st- I, I know, I know it coming from a big sky standpoint, like it is nice. You, I think there's the consistency. It's Thursday, Saturday, you know, someone's here. We've had this discussion before the pod likes mirror scheduling, but this is a, this is a great way to have it, but then also still get a chance to have your biggest games of the year have their own spotlight, both home and away, against your travel partner. Yeah, I mean, we know some of the issues uh, that that folks don't like the mirrored scheduling. I, I'll go, I'll stay right here, and I'll just leave it here. I do think, for a consistency standpoint, for the coaches and our student athletes, it's great because at the end of the day, when a team is gone and a team is here it's so much easier to host two teams coming in knowing your other team is on the road. I mean, it's just, it just makes logical sense. I understand the reasoning for, for the other piece. It's the every week thing. When you have a struggle with your facility, I get it. I, I get it. We're, we're very lucky here that that's not an issue for us. Yeah. That's well said. And that's good. I think to remind people why we're doing this, what's the point of this? Uh, it's, it's, I think people lose that sometimes and they, they pine for the doubleheader days. Like, oh, it was so nice. I could go, I could sit, I could watch the women, I could watch the men, and then I'm done. And that's, this, we're not always thinking through all the elements in the equation. So Yeah, and it, it could change. Who knows? I change. mean, it, it might, but I, you know, I'm not breaking anything on the pod today because it's not changing as far as I know. But <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, it could. It could. <laughs> and I, I will vote for mirror scheduling again. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Uh, quickly, a couple other things. Again, indoor track and field, a couple of school records broken down at Brookings this past weekend. Congrats to Jesse Mittendorf running a 150 in the 800. That's not bad. Top 30 in the country. And then Luke Labrat breaking the 408 mark in the mile. Uh, they will host, by the way, UND men and women will be here in Grand Forks at the Pollard Center this weekend for the UND Open, then down back to Fargo for the Bison Open, then out to Boston as they continue to build up towards the Summer League Indoor Championships at the end of February in Vermilion. Tennis also home this week. If you want to get, if you've been watching the Aussie Open and you got the bug and you want to see some live tennis, Creighton coming to town, coming up on the 27th. Uh, there's a couple of matches, by the way, all, all this next week over at Choice. So great opportunity to get out and support a men's team, which is 5-0 and right now and just rolling. And a women's team that's pretty good too at 2-1. and Yeah, no doubt about it. I, and again, if you haven't seen te- live tennis, college tennis at Choice, it's awesome. You can, you you can, you can cheer. It's like Davis Cup. <laughs> You can cheer. We had some student athletes there. They weren't sure if they could cheer. Mm, you can. We want you to. We want you to get out there. Get out there and support. It's really fun. It is really, really fun to see in person. Uh, anything else from a UND NCAA perspective? I think, I think we've hit it pretty good. Perfect. Well, I know you got to go, so we're going to get you out on a very brief 
B-side. I want one word on the Conte era because according to everybody, this is it for Antonio, that he's not going to renew his contract at the end of the year. And this is the final months. One Roma. word. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I think, you know, Alex, you tell me, I mean, he's been very consistent along the way, right? Every, t- every place he's gone. I, I think we would have known if he was going to come back at this point. Uh, and again, I'm usually not a go back to the same guy deal, but you think there's a potch thing happening? Yeah, potch. Bring potch back in. Yeah, I think so. He's very Spursy. He fits. He does. His style fits, and he's going to win enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, would he win a trophy? I don't know the answer to that, but you're going to be really ultra competitive with him. And if he wants to be there, let's go. I think he misses the days of being a Tottenham Hotspur manager. I think the fan base misses him around. I think it would make sense. I, they had their their best success in the last however many years with him in charge. Come back, Potch. We somehow wrestle. won yesterday. I don't know how, but we did. Harry Kane is a pretty good finisher, this just mm-hmm. in, and scored a really good goal, like a world-class striker-type goal. And so we ended up finally having a clean sheet. And uh, But we're still kind of hanging around. I mean, it's not impossible right now, given the fact that Liverpool and Chelsea, I mean, if you needed to fall asleep during a match, you just had to watch that match. Holy cow. I don't know what they were doing, but it felt like the ball was like at the 50-yard line the whole Yeah, Yeah, a lot of midfield. I, I didn't see what the stats were. I would guess that, yeah, probably about 75 to 80% of the match was played in the, in the middle third versus the attacking thirds. It was the neutral zone. It was a neutral zone kind of game. Both teams four-check. Very good. Very good in that game. They were good four-checkers. And so, uh, but with Liverpool and Chelsea, ooh, they're, they're, I mean, there's still a long ways to go. Long ways to go. It's just weird to me. Newcastle's lost one match so far. They've drawn a lot, mm-hmm. but they've lost one match. So I don't know. I, I, they're going to have to show that they can do it to May. They've proven a lot so far. I and mean, the fact that we're at the end of January and they're still in the mix. Same thing with Arsenal. Like the fact that they're still at the top of the table. I think we've kind of gone past the point of thinking, are they contenders? I think they are. I mean, Arsenal yeah. is really good. I, I think they're good. I still think City will chase them. Yeah. City will chase them. Newcastle, be interesting. But it's interesting where Brighton is right now. It's just, it's quite fascinating. It's a weird year. It's been a weird Premier League year. And I think the World Cup, I think, has, has, ba- has played a role, I think, where you have this weird disjointed month off. It's a little bit like college hockey, where you take a three-week holiday break, and it's like a completely different team that you get back sometimes, and it takes a little bit to get things rolling. Very similar. I agree. Well, I appreciate it, Alex. I appreciate you, Bill. Yeah, good stuff today. Thanks again for the report from Texas. Thanks to Tyler Burmeister for jumping on. Good stuff. We will do it again in two weeks. Sounds good. Have a good week. You as well. Big thanks to Bill Chaves, to Tyler Burmeister, to Kelsey Sagvold, to Alec Johnson, to Paul Ralston, our entire behind-the-scenes team. I'm Alex Heiner. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon.